0: Have you ever wondered what it's like to sit in on a magazine editorial meeting? Well, this is your chance. You're listening to Salt Lake Speaks, a monthly podcast where our editors, writers, and staff dig deeper into stories, chat with newsmakers, and talk amongst ourselves about arts, culture, food, music, politics, or whatever else might strike our fancy. After all, we are Utah's biggest fans.
1: Hello and welcome to Salt Lake Speak, Salt Lake Magazine's own podcast. You can find this and other episodes at saltlakemagazine.com podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Legacy Village. Come experience Salt Lake City's newest premier senior living community, Legacy Village of Sugarhouse. Take advantage of our part in the dust promotion while Wilmington Avenue is under construction. Receive $500 off per month for the first three months of rent when you secure a room from March through May 2018. Don't let the truck stop you from touring. We cannot wait to show you around. Call 801-486-6000 or visit our website to schedule your tour today. Today, I have Jennifer Jones, founder of The Dead History and author of Ghosts of Ogden, Brigham City, and Logan with us. Thanks for sitting down today. Oh, it's my pleasure. So why don't you just give me a little information about yourself and your background?
0: Okay, um, I've been interested in the paranormal since I was a child, spooky stories, that kind of thing. I had some strange experiences when I was fairly young and I think that kind of prompted my interest in ghosts and urban legends and just, you know, creepy things of that nature. Um, and then I moved to Utah in 2007. It was kind of when the ghost hunting TV shows had become super popular and I really wanted to check it out for myself. And um, none of the local teams were like accepting new members, so I decided just to make my own team. Okay. Um, and that's kind of where this all got started. I did that for a few years. It's really time consuming. It's an expensive hobby. Um, and I decided I needed to go back to school, and I couldn't do both. So I quit investigating, quit the team, and decided to focus on a blog where I would explore more of like the history behind the stories. and see how much of the stories are based in truth and that's where the dead history came from.
1: You make it sound so easy, Just I just started a ghost hunting team, yeah. but how do you get into the business of sort of ghosts and ghost hunting because it's one thing to you know do research and write a blog which is what a lot of people end up doing but the actual reality of ghost hunting seems so much more involved
0: uh, you know it really is i mean you have to kind of put yourself out there you have to um, ask people <laughs> really weird questions you know trying <laughs> to get access to their buildings and um, managing personalities on teams and it's, it can be just super overwhelming, but it was something that um, I had always wanted to do, so I figured, why not? And I didn't know anybody, because I just moved to Utah, so it was kind of not only a way to like get to do some really cool, fun things, but to meet people and like explore the area that I didn't know really anything about.
1: You mentioned that none of the other teams around here were accepting new members. How many are there? Is this a big deal here?
0: I mean, every state has, you know, quite a few teams. Some don't last very long, some aren't as active. I think when I um, started my team, there was a handful that were pretty active. Um, I don't really know how many are super active right now because I just I'm kind of away from that for a few years. But I think it's it's died down because you know the ghost hunting shows aren't as popular anymore. Um, so that's died down some, but there's still quite a few out there.
1: It's not just some guy with
0: a tape recorder
1: sitting in an empty house? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so when you say it's an expensive hobby, do you mean the equipment? Do you mean the planning? The Do you hire people, or is this more of a la- labor of love type of deal?
0: Yeah, it's a labor of love. Um, you know, the only people that really make money in the, the paranormal field are those that are either on TV or go around speaking at, at conferences and things like that. Um, When you start a team and you have to buy all the equipment, I mean, it's thousands of dollars for cameras and voice recorders and, you know, um, there always seems to be new gadgets that are coming out that people want to (laughs) try and um, I now when I go out and investigate, it's a voice recorder and my my camera on my phone, that's about it, so. When you go out and, because you mentioned the ghost hunting shows. I love ghost hunting shows. Um,
1: but the reason why I love ghost hunting shows I think is different for most people where I like to watch the people, um, the actual hunters be sort of over the top. Because that's really who you're watching it for, like ghost adventures. My friends and I call it brost adventures because they're like three of the dutiest dude bros. Um, hunting for ghosts, and it's really interesting. But is there any reality to sort of like the drama that you see on those shows? Because it seems like the reality, at least to me, of ghost hunting is really boring. Most of, like 90% of the time.
0: Oh, for sure. And I think that's why like the TV shows are so over the top because if it was realistic to how an actual legitimate investigation is, like people There'd be nothing for them to watch because, you know, we would go out and you'd sit in a room in the dark with no sound for hours, or you know, you'd walk around to different places. But um, sometimes an entire investigation would be like that. There'd be nothing. Other times, you know, it could be fairly active and it'd be really exciting, and there would be moments that are kind of you know similar to the TV shows. But mm. the drama on those shows is, I think, like super hyped up. <laughs>
1: So what would a normal ghost hunting investigation be like for your team, or the team that you started?
0: We would do location, like research on the location, um, and that's kind of what I had always liked to do, and I think that's how it's turned into the dead history, but we would research the location, see you know what the stories are, what the people are experiencing there, um, see if we could find any, like weird things, events that had happened. And then um, at the, on the night of the investigation, we would go in and we would set up our equipment, um, depending on how big it was. I had a team that was about 10, 10 to 15 people. So if it was a bigger location, we would split up and you know have people in different parts and then kind of rotate. But it's kind of like you, you go in and you do some EVP sessions and ask questions and... What's an EVP maybe for our listeners? An EVP is an electronic voice phenomenon and so an EVP is when Um, you capture something on a voice recorder that you don't hear at the time that it's recorded. So it's always on playback that you would catch something like that.
1: Based on all your research and you clearly know more than the average person who lives here about sort of the history, the paranormal history of of the time you wrote a book (laughs) about it obviously. What are some of your favorite ghost stories?
0: Some of my favorite ones in Utah are um, I love Ogden's Union Station. It has just such a crazy history, um, spooky, you know, spookiness wise, and then it also has an amazing, important history to Utah and, and the whole United States because of the, the train um, station. All the trains had to pass through the Union Station on their way either to the East Coast or to the West Coast. But it's it's haunted, but it's an amazing, I mean visually it's amazing, it's just a really cool building. I also like uh, the old Utah County Jail, which you can't get into anymore due to vandalism, but that place um, is pretty haunted and it's just so creepy to go into because it's like falling apart. And
1: what is your definition of pretty haunted? Because I'm only asking because, uh, you know, when if you ask someone who's like really wary of the paranormal, there's people who are like, hauntings aren't real, but then there's people who are super. They just, they respect it in a way where they want distance. <laughs> so, when you say something's really haunted, as someone who was a ghost hunter, what do you mean?
0: It would be a place where, y- if you investigated it, the chances of having something happen are almost guaranteed. So, an example for me would be um, the Goldfield Hotel in Nevada, which, if you watch Ghost Adventures, they, that's kind of where they got their start. Um, that place. It is one of the most haunted places that I've been in personally. Um, y- and it, it, when I say pretty haunted, it you know, you're gonna get maybe audio um, things, EVPs there, but then maybe you'll capture something on, on video or film, which isn't as common as, as getting EVPs. The Union Station, it's kind of hit or miss, so you might go there one time and have really nothing happen. You might go back and you capture a few EVPs or see a shadow figure or something like that. So, mm-hmm. some places are just more active than others. What so. kind of ghosts are in Union Station? Because I've been in there a lot,
1: I'm from Ogden.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so, I'm just I'm curious.
0: Yeah. The Union Station is known for shadow figures, okay. um, which I actually, it's in my book, I go into detail with it, but I've actually seen a shadow figure in the Union Station. Um, they're also known for like odd sounds, the staff will hear when the building's you know, not open to the public. They have a prankster ghost that likes to set off the alarm in the middle <laughs> of the night, and it's not, you know, I mean, alarm systems, they go off on their own, but the way it happens there, it's just odd because the poor janitor will go you know, out in the middle of the night to check it and everything's fine and goes home and, you know, 10 minutes later it's going off again and it's always like an interior alarm, it's not one of like the, the exterior door alarms or something. So I wonder what their janitor
1: turnover is. <laughs> if that's the case, <laughs> that sounds awful. <laughs> Just I go there think. and check. The reason we invited you in uh, is for our current issue. We wrote about Ogden Cemetery's flow. Could you tell us a little bit about flow first?
0: Yeah, um, flow is actually one of my favorites. I'm I'm really like attached to her story. It's it's kind of strange, but. Um, she was the first urban legend that I researched for the for the blog. And um, it's always been kind of interesting to me to find out why or try to figure out why, like a specific person in a cemetery has an urban legend attached to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and hers was, you know, really specific. Um, She's, you have to shine your lights three times on her grave and her ghost comes towards you and there's you know stories that she was killed in a car accident and there's numerous versions of her death but it was intriguing and so when I started to research what really happened to her, it just made her more real and not like just some story that people tell each other to try to like scare them. So um, she was just a 15 year old girl that, from everything I've found, had a pretty normal life. And she actually died from the Spanish flu in 1918. So I'm not quite sure how the legends started, Mm -hmm. but they're just so much, like it seems like they grow every year.
1: With the flashing your lights three times on her
0: stone, where does that come from? I don't know. I've read things that most urban legends have like some type of ritual um, attached to them that you have to do a certain way in order to like spark the event. (laughs) So like Emo's grave in the Salt Lake Cemetery you're supposed to like walk around his grave and chant emo 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 and so you'll notice like most urban legends have some something like that that you're supposed Mm -hmm. to do in order to see it so. Does it come from anything or you mentioned she people think she was killed in a car accident, and then you tell us she died of the flu. Right, that's kind of interesting. The only thing that I could kind of piece together as to why she might have this car accident attached to her is her dad was um, one of the first auto mechanics and automobile racers in the state of Utah. And so you figure 1918, cars were kind of a new thing, um, and he was well known in Ogden uh, for that. So I don't know if somehow you know, her dad's profession got attached to her, or I don't know. Have you found Flo? Did you, was that one of your hunting excursions? Did you go? I have not, I have not seen Flo. I do have a good friend that swears um, when she was in high school that she saw Flo's ghost in the cemetery. I, um, I'm kind of a a rule stickler, so I don't like to go into the cemetery at night because I don't really want to get arrested, but. Yeah, (laughs) um, (laughs) that would be a good reason to avoid it. Plus, you know, there's weird things that happen in cemeteries in the night, so. (laughs) How
1: does Flo show up? So let's say you and I are in a car. We drive up to the stone. I flash my brights three times. What happens?
0: Um, The legend says that a green mist will rise up from her grave and take the shape of a girl and float towards your car. That's horrifying.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm just trying to imagine how terrifying that would be. A green mist. That's so odd.
0: And you figure if let's say you were to do this and you were parked there, if her ghost was coming towards you, you would either have to drive through it or you'd have to back all the way out of the cemetery, which would be really difficult in the dark. So I'm not quite sure how that would happen. Do people do this often? Like, do
1: do you have any idea if, you know, teenagers go there and do this fairly frequently? Do, are police looking out for flow hunters? Or?
0: I do know that the police like to keep an eye on that cemetery. And, and there's been times where I've been in that cemetery like close to dusk or whatever. And there's usually a cop somewhere in there. Um, they also have a gas station for like the city vehicles right there. So I think that's Start. probably part of it. But I, you know, I get a lot of comments on my blog that people have either seen her or tried to see her. or So I'm sure they're still doing it. Because you have such a um, storied
1: history with the paranormal, it seems like, do you get frightened by these kinds of experiences? No, I I love it, actually. So, So I guess, I'm just trying to decide how to word the next question, so I'm gonna use the word cool. What's the coolest experience, I guess, you've ever
0: had, personally, while ghost hunting? Oh, the coolest, I've had, there's a couple. The coolest one, for sure, though, would be at the Goldfield Hotel. Um, We had gone there, it was me and a friend of mine and uh, three other people and we were the only ones in the building. They don't do, I think they're starting to do tours there now, but this was a few years ago and it was pretty much closed to everybody so it wasn't an easy place to get access to. And we were down in the basement and we had been... um, doing EVP sessions and things like that. And we decided to come back up to the main floor. And when we got there, we had set all of like our bags and stuff down in the lobby because the doors were all locked. So we didn't have to worry about anyone coming in and messing with our things. Um, So we were going up the basement stairs and we were like halfway up and we could hear what sounded like a party going on. Like there was people laughing, there was people kind of shouting, like it was just really, there were people up in that room and to get to the basement you had to go through what had been the banquet room. So it was like this wide open um, tile floored room. And so I looked at the lady, because it, it was all guys except me and this lady, and I looked at her and I was like, our purses, because we had left our purses up in the lobby. And um, so we kind of go running up the steps and as soon as we hit the the top step, dead silence. No sound, no footsteps, nothing. and. So we kind of looked at each other and we all went up to the lobby and all of our stuff was still there and we checked the door and the door was locked and we thought for sure someone had like gotten one of the boards off the windows and had come inside and so we started searching the whole building and we actually went outside and like walked the perimeter to see if any of the boards were off the windows and there was nobody in there. <laughs>
1: I don't know how to react to that. <laughs> What's the, because the Goldfield Hotel you mentioned was in Nevada, right? Mm-hmm. What's your coolest experience
0: at a haunted location here? It would have to probably be the one of my experiences in the Union Station. Okay. Um, we were in the Browning Theater, which at the time back in the day was the mail room. It was also used as a temporary morgue and it's one of like the hot spots for the station. There's a breezeway behind it and um, we were hearing footsteps in the breezeway. So me and another guy went out into the, the breezeway to see if anyone was back there and it was like we walked into a wall of static electricity and all the hair on your neck stand, like your arms, it was just weird. and. Um, down at the far end of the room, we saw—we both saw at the same time—like a shadow figure go darting across the breezeway into the other room. Did the shadow figure look like a person? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looked like a man, like man size. I mean, okay. it's not very defined, sure. but it, it was that like, Yeah, <laughs> so it looked like a you know a tall man. So, if people want to find
1: out more about um, your work or just ghosts in general, where can they
0: find your your book, your your blog? Where? Um, the best place to find me is, is thedeadhistory.com, um, and I have links to, to all sorts of cool stories about haunted places in Utah and other parts of the country. Um, my book is available in Barnes & Noble. It's also on Amazon. You can buy it through my blog if you want a signed copy.
1: Thanks so much for sitting down with me today, Jennifer.
0: Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank
1: you for tuning in to this episode of Salt Lake Speaks. Be sure to find this at other podcast episodes at saltlakemagazine.com slash podcast. And again, this podcast is brought to you by Legacy Village. Call 801-486-6000 or visit their website to schedule your tour today.